Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the mini-sided dice head. Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the Dangerous Spaceman adventure as it plays out. Um, But tonight, we're back to our regular programming, and we're talking about something kind of abstract, but also not something mechanical. And... Um. Yes, so we are talking about how much the GM should be rolling, right? Because we've been playing a lot of player-facing games and have been enjoying it. So why not talk about it? Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, so what are the points we're going to hit? There is... um. At least for us, it's been a trend, and we've also noticed it in the design of other games, a trend to streamline the amount of calculations a Game Master has to do. We're going to talk about that idea. We're going to talk about why that appeals to us. Um, we're going to talk about making it work in more complex systems. And then we're going to talk about stuff that GMs do still need to roll for. We're talking about how much a GM needs to roll. There is still some stuff. And then we have some kind of anecdotal uh, discussion about this. It's a little more loosey-goosey than some of our other content. We are um, we, we're discussing an experience with a little bit of guidance. This isn't so much a, a, a bulleted outline of how to do something or, you know, a lesson that we've thought of. So... Uh, you want to tell them about the trend? Sure. I mean, I don't think anybody really is paying attention to being like, man, this episode sucks. They've had a bad outline. <laughs> Anyways, so the trend to streamline GM calculations, right? So the the recent things we have played, and we have played some of them uh, on this podcast, right? Like the, the cyborgs and the forbidden lands. Mm-hmm. Um and Dangerous Spacemen, they all have something in common where the GM is not rolling as much as maybe traditional game systems have them rolling, mm-hmm. right? Uh, minimal success conditions, so like the player rolls for an action and like, oh, if they beat 12, then they succeed in yeah. whatever they're doing. Everything, everything in the game has the same difficulty. Right? So... The the big idea with that is with GMs not rolling traditionally, right? The big idea is players roll to avoid being hit rather than GMs roll to attack, mm-hmm. right? Which is in all those systems, and that that expands beyond just combat. That's mm-hmm. that's a great way to describe it, right? Players roll to dodge instead of GM rolls to attack, um, but it applies to everything, like. You know, is somebody lying? Roll to see. Right. Uh, Roll to see if you detect a lie. Roll to see if you dodge something. Roll to see if you catch this. Like, make it active for the players and um, take take as much of it away from the game master as possible, kind of. Yeah. And so, like, that system leans very well into systems with the minimal success condition. Right, because when the players roll for something, they're rolling to hit a target. So like it's oh, roll to detect the lie. You don't need to know like the NPCs the you know, lying stat. Yeah. Because they're not rolling. There's a tremendous amount of information um that if you look at like uh the the, the stat card for a monster in Dungeons and Dragons, they have Everything a player has, at the ver- at the bare minimum, they might, depending on you know what kind of thing they are, they might have a lot more going on on their card than, especially low level players. But at the very least, they're going to have the same six stats as well as proficiencies and damage and hit points and armor class. And what this sort of game design does is gets rid of all of that. Reduces right. it to a single number, and then the number of how good your players are at doing stuff. 
Right. And so like that's that's the appeal, right? Is you get rid of all this extra math. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to search through the the like monster sheet to find their like, oh, what is their wisdom stat? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Fuck it. Don't need to do that. Just what does the dice say? Does is it a, is it a success or is it a fail? Right? So it takes away a lot of that crunch. Yeah. Right? Because we're always looking to avoid crunch. Unnecessary crunch. Yeah. Some crunch can be good. Some you know, crunch like is very good. Granola and yogurt, that's some pretty good crunch. Mm, I don't like yogurt. <laughs> um, okay, but you don't want a crunchy banana. You know what I mean? Yes. That's, well, a fried banana. That's a different thing. We're getting, but we're the getting inside the banana part's not crunchy. Yeah, we're, we're getting too far away. Okay, so it is appealing because it takes away some of the crunch. Um, especially on the game master side. So like the game master doesn't have to sit there for five minutes behind their screen being like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you look, um, if you happen to have a copy of Morkborg or Cyborg uh, and you know look through it, you'll notice in the little bestiary or bad guy section, whatever, that um, they only have a couple of things going for them. They only need their hit points, their damage output, and they might have like a speed thing, like if they can fly or, you know, something like that. A little note about that. Aside from that, you don't fucking need anything. Everything else is just description. Everything else is is uh, color and flavor. Right. Like, so we, we talked about, um, I think a long time ago now, um, but we did some like encounter building NPC episodes um, and like, oh, if they're like a basic monster, you know, probably really don't need that many stats. But like if they're like a, you know, a more advanced, like, you know, I don't know, lieutenant type enemy, like, you know, they're probably going to look a little bit more like they a might player character. something like a full stat sheet. Right. So this is going right in the face of that. Mm hmm. We're saying, We're saying no. What fuck if we? That. What if we just didn't fucking do that anymore? Right. Well, because the result is it gives more ice time. You know, remember our ice time conversation, everybody? Mm-hmm. Hockey. Yeah. So, actually, I don't know if that's what we used. I know we've said ice time before, but we talked about um, like each session being a pie chart. Yeah. If each session is a pie, right? You want to reduce how much of it is yours as the game master because you know the the size of your slice represents how much time you're actually playing you don't want to do all the playing you want the players to play as much as possible now you have to do some stuff obviously mm-hmm. so your the game master's pie is already pretty big yeah right because they narrate what happens right. after like every character action boom it's, game it's master already like no matter what it's going to be bigger than any single players but you don't want it to be bigger than all of your players. Mm-hmm. You want it to be smaller. Right. So when, oh, this enemy attacks, player gets to roll, you know, boom, they're back in it. They're back on the ice. Right. And we'll say we like that right now. Um, we've, you know, we've been playing RPGs for a while, some years, and we have, you know, we've gone through different iterations of how much we've known about it and how much how good we are at game design and what information we have like we've learned new stuff and kind of this is the big thing we're thinking about right now right so there's tremendous appeal to a system which gets rid of the amount or which significantly reduces the amount of math and like written prep that a game master has to bring to the table how much looking stuff up they have to do and that gives more of the limited playtime that you have to your players while not taking anything away from you as a game master because as we're going to talk about later there's still some stuff that you have to do Mm -hmm. and get to do you get to do it you get to run the adventure but with less tape which is all well and good if the system already has been set up, you know, for this with like a minimum success condition, right? So one big question we have that we're going to try to talk through, maybe not answer, but talk through, is like, can this idea 
of the GM rolling less? Can it work in more complicated systems? Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes, and like uh, Cyborg, you know, they have these really thin or, you know, not thin, but uh, small, you know, character stat blocks. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're like, oh, this character doesn't have a, you know, a physical trait. They have a mental trait. Right. But it's still the same. It still works with the success condition. Mm-hmm. Right. But like for things, you know, more complicated systems that like have types of damage or, you know, this monster is very good, is very physically tough, but mentally weak. Right. You know, to simulate that they have a big full stat block of like, oh, yeah, their their strength and dexterity are huge, but like their mind and like charisma and wisdom are like low. Right. And it is a tricky thing. You lose some nuance. And what that what this system of making it completely player facing does is it turns, um, you know, say like the enemy knight is really good at hitting people with his sword. Well, now he just hits with his sword. It's mm-hmm. it's just flat. He does it. He makes an attack. And what that turns into is instead how good is the player at dodging, at right. dodging it or blocking it or whatever. And um, you, you do lose some significant nuance there when it is just a binary, like it happens or it doesn't. And it can only come from one side of the encounter. Um, now, I don't personally think it's a bad thing because of the other stuff that we said is good about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is a um, it is a thing. Like, if all of your enemies and NPCs can be reduced to a short description, a hit point pool, and a number for damage output, then... Like, why even write them, you know? Like, is there any reason to have something like a monster manual? Because most of them are going to be pretty the same aside from the short little description of them. Right, because, like, what in that system, what's the difference between a, like, mind wizard and a knight, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, in a more traditional setting or, you know, system, like, you know, the knight's going to be very physical, the mind wizard's going to be very um, mental, mm-hmm. right? So you, I think it just takes more work on the back end, which is kind of what we were trying to eliminate. You know, by eliminating one problem, it brings in another, right? Right To simulate, like, differences in enemy types and stuff. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, you're right. So fighting a, fighting a mage who shoots something at you uh, versus an enemy knight who tries to hit you with a sword, then what we're in the situation we're describing, the system we're talking about, um, in either instance, the player still does the same thing, which is roll to dodge, and the success point is the same in either case. You're not, um, you know, you're not allowing for any of the nuance between those two things but then like is there any nuance between well just... i think i think the nuance would be you just have to change the the stat that the player uses to dodge right so if uh yeah say say you're fighting like a psychic you're playing a, you know a cthulhu type game you're fighting a psychic character like 11 from stranger things um you're not going to roll dexterity to dodge their mind attack, you're going to roll your mental stat. And even if you only have two stats, you know, physical and mental in this hypothetical game system, that's at least, you know, a difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. And you might be good at physical, but bad at mental. And you just, uh, I, I I think the answer is you have to make the player characters varied and you know robust enough in their different stats they need to have you know a range of different abilities capabilities whatever so that you know players still feel like what they've done to create their characters matters 
mm-hmm. even though on the back end, behind the game master screen, the difference between how the two enemies are written barely there, right? There's hardly any difference except how they look and how they behave. Yeah. Uh-huh. Statistically, numbers-wise, there's very little difference between them, but you're asking for different roles from the players. Yeah, and so you would just have to keep it like, or you would have to, as a game master, do a little um, mind, um, what do they call that when you put shit in boxes? Compartmentalization. Yes, compartmentalization. Um, So like, if it's a physical attack, you roll with a physical attribute to dodge. Mm -hmm. If it's a non-physical attack, so like, a wizard could hurl a fireball at you. Right. That's probably still a physical dodge. I think dodge. that counts as a physical. Yeah. Can you dodge out of the way? Mm-hmm. Give me a dodge. The wizard shot a fireball at you. Give me a dodge roll. Right. But like I a, think that works really well. Like a mind missile, mm-hmm. you know, is probably yeah. uh, mental. He's trying to boil your mind with his, you know, mental connection. He's trying to you know, mm-hmm. fry your brain. Even, even if it, like, you know, maybe you're looking at the, the monster sheet and says, like, oh, needs line of sight. And, like, you know, maybe the lore and the description is, like, it's a shockwave that goes through the air, but, like, you know, probably invisible. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's, you know, not – maybe it is visible, but, like, just say it's homing and, like, it's going to hit you regardless of how physically, you know, adapt your character is. So it's a mind. Yeah. Right? So you just – I guess you just got to keep – you would have to keep those straight. I think – so I think you could describe, it could even be dodging a physical thing. You have to be careful here because then you're just letting players use their best stat for yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. But there is a um, there there is a use case where you could say, well, like, can I dodge with my mind stat? Can I roll to dodge with my mind stat? Because what I'm doing is not actually dodging. I'm using my my brain and my like powers of critical thought and observation to judge where the shot is going to hit. And so I'm just going to not stand there. And in that situation, like, is it a dexterous action or is it more of a mental action? I think you could make the case. But then you do run into that issue. And you open it up for... So like, okay, well, I use charisma for everything because it's just my best stat. I always... uh, Yeah, I dodge the sword by, like, looking sexily at them (laughs) and they miss their sword strike. Maybe that's allowed, but do you want that to always be allowed in every situation? Yeah. Then it goes into the, you know, the game master thing that we've talked about is like, you allow it once you're going to, you have that to sets allow precedent, it again, right. right? If you, yeah. If you make a ruling, your players are going to expect things to be consistent. And if you allow someone to do that, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I dodge with my mind attribute by just like. I'm so smart, I see where the gun is pointing, and so I don't stand in the path of the bullet. But then you could say, well, it's happening too fast for you to think about mm-hmm. it. Give me your decks to, like, physically dodge out of the way. So, the minimum, I don't know if, talking about it now, I don't know if, like, a minimum success condition should be applied in all, like, complex systems, so you could still eliminate the rolling and have different success conditions. So instead of like a proficiency you mean have bonus, the players do all the rolling. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but have a sliding scale of difficulty. Well, yeah. So like instead of the monster having a you know proficiency bonus of plus two or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So like you know traditionally the GM would roll and then add their proficiency bonus on. Instead of doing that, you could just set the the difficulty or, you know, the right. success condition at 14. If, yeah, if base difficulty for everything is 12, but this monster is, you know... Really a, good at attacking. Yeah, a, a tremendous robot swordsman who, like, oh, he's such a good swordsman. He was programmed for swords. Um, you just raise that base difficulty. Mm-hmm. And instead of, a, you know, everything is difficulty 12, which, by the way... Listeners, well, if you're following along, that's how Mork Borg and Cyborg works, and it is a thing that we've let's been. Let's cut into with. why. Why is it twelve? Well, 
So it's 12. 12 is a damn good number. It is. It's it's 12 because on a D20, that's 55%, roughly, you know. Dice math, dice math comes out in halves, but you can't roll a half number on a dice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you roll the D20 a thousand times, the average would be right about 10.5. So it's actually, so 12 is actually 60%. Um, 12 is a 60% chance, or sorry, a... 40% chance of success. 40% chance of success. So if you're bad at it, or if you have no bonus in it, you're you're just below half, mm -hmm. essentially. Right, you add a bonus on that, and it starts creeping up yeah and then it creeps up pretty fucking fast when yeah. you have like a plus if you have a plus three yeah then you know it's it's back over to like you know 30 percent, 35 percent. you're gonna hit it you're you're gonna succeed if you have a plus three in hitting with your sword you said it backwards 75 or yeah yeah sorry i i fucking yes yeah. but yes yeah, so so 12 is a good number because if you have no modifier mm-hmm. or a negative modifier, well, just a no modifier, yeah. you're going to roughly succeed and fail at the same rate, right? Yeah. You know, there's that little there's a know, little bit where you're you know slightly 5%. worse, but uh, the you want there to be a chance for failure, mm-hmm. and then if the spread, like it is in Morkborg and Cyborg, is negative three to positive three, that's seven points. Real quick, what's seven times five? 35. 35. So that's 35% of play that you have in the game system. Right. So you can go to, you know, having a negative 15% or a plus 15% chance to succeed on any given action. Plus 15%, pretty fucking good. That, that you know, tips the tables there. And that is, I, I would say, an accurate representation of a non-superhero character who has gotten, you know, reasonably good at the thing they're good at like sword fighting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we got a little math build there. Yeah. But, so 12 is like a good minimal success condition just for anything, right? So what about, so we talked about like, oh, if this enemy is really good at attacking, the GM doesn't roll for it, the difficulty to avoid the attack is a little bit higher. Would that work the same way with like a player attacks? It would. Would the... The success still be 14? Um, well, okay. It could, and you could also do it the other way, where instead of raising the difficulty by two, you just impose the penalty on the players. They still do everything. All the math is still on their character sheet. None of the math is behind the GM screen. The number is still, the target number is still 12, which is like, this guy's good at swords. Negative two to your, to your role. To your role to dodge his swords. Right, because in the, that way you could bring in like cover bonuses or uh, like I don't know close quarters fighting or like you know the range of the the player's weapon is you know it's out of range it's out of normal range so like you know add a couple points to difficulty or take away a couple points from the player's role. And if you've uh, listeners, if you've been following the Dangerous Spaceman uh, we've been running, the other thing um, that we've thrown in or that I did when I've been doing that, is advantage, which is another... Advantage or disadvantage is another 15% in either direction. So that's another really powerful way where you can... Tip the tables. Yeah, tip the tables, add some nuance to this kind of system where, you know, it seems really, really simple, but you do want to still somewhat accurately simulate. Yeah, because I think... The important thing that we've kind of been dancing around for applying, you know, this theory to a complex system with, you know, large stat blocks is it just, it matters a little bit more what stat the players are rolling on. Yeah. Um, Which can be, and I think this might actually lessen the effect of like, you know, min-maxers, you know, players that, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, dump the fuck out of my mind stat because I really want to be good at sword hitting. Well, you know, when you do a mind roll with, you know, basic success conditions, mm-hmm. then it's really going to penalize you more than like, oh, well, like 
this monster also has a weak mind and like against your weak mind it kind of balances out so like you don't really get penalized but you know if you're trying to hit a minimum also if the swing if the swing in stats if there's only a range of seven in that that makes it impossible to really dump right Mm -hmm. because it is like uh okay so the way uh the way you do it in cyborg and the way you do it in Morkborg and Forbidden Psalm and Dangerous Spacemen. We did uh, stat rolls for Dangerous Spacemen. A D4 minus a D4. So a positive 3 to a negative 3, that's the spread. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, You have to put those negatives somewhere on your character sheet and you're not guaranteed of a positive, like equal value positive return. Uh it makes it pretty much impossible for someone to put everything into, you know, arrow shooting and dodging. Yeah. And then dump all their charisma and and, and mental mm. acuity because the, the, the spread that you have to work with is so small. Seven points, that's it. And you have to go with, you know, what the dice give you. Mm-hmm. And just, like, make the best version of the character you want out of those. I used to not like that. I used to really not like the idea of... Um, randomness? Yeah, randomness in that uh, that fundamental beginning part of character creation. Because I wanted, you know, complete freedom over it. But it is something that we have seen and both of us have done to varying degrees as well. This is, you know, made characters who are like a little bit unrealistic because we were allowed to put points. We, we were allowed to completely steal points hmm. from, from places and, you know, to make our characters really good at the things we wanted to do. They're fucking terrible at other things, a more balanced and realistic, spread or a more balanced spread more realistically um i think describes most characters abilities because it's rare that someone is you know an absolute fucking idiot because they put all their energy Mm -hmm. into being good at a sword right because also that i think i think that does and like we played around with like minimums Mm -hmm. in in the rules of afterlife and then we kind of just ditched that um because, you know, that's, if you're an adventuring, you know, person, you know, mercenary, right? Don't necessarily have to be a mercenary, but, uh, you know, if you're an adventuring type, you probably are able to do average things and you're, you know, some things you do averagely, some things you do Better extraordinary, than, yeah. right? And then like one or two things you're bad at. Right. But not extra super you know horrible at right but just like you know that's not my specialty right mm-hmm. you know so it but if you have such a low intelligence score how are you that surviving you basically can't pass then yeah like how do you mm-hmm. you know how did you survive childhood <laughs> to get to this point right yeah and there's you know so does does a small or does uh what we're talking about like you know taking roles away from the gm putting them more on the players do you need a um a balanced spread through like you know a d4 minus a d4 right something very controlled mm-hmm. um i'm gonna say i think i'm thinking yes i'm thinking I think so it works it works better not say it can't work but right. it works better better if there are some bounds to uh the variety right to how bad you can get at something because like if you're playing a game of morkborg and your character has a negative three strength that still we could math it out again i don't really feel like it minus 35 percent or minus 15 percent chance to passing that dc 12 on every check so, you know, strength is important. That's melee combat because you only have four stats in Morkborg. Um, you could be bad at it, but that's still, like, that's still good enough 
to succeed some of the time. Nobody right. is mm. n- nobody is fucking worthless at everything or anything. Everyone has at least a chance to be good situationally. What what would I mean, I guess so using like Morkborg as, you know, the the example or, you know, one of those systems cuz like Yes, there's only like four stats, mm-hmm. right? A player has, and like we talked about losing a little bit of nuance. Honestly, like even like you know with afterlife, we tried to make it as minimal as possible, um, which turned out being just like you know basic D and D numbers, right? Um, and we're still deciding needs... how we feel about that. I don't know if there needs to be that much nuance because. It, like, never really comes up, you know? Generally, no. And I would say, like, we even got rid of some of the nuance, but then we brought it back because our afterlife system has um, skills, which is where we wanted to give players freedom um, to, to, to reinforce, like, what in specific situations your character is good at. Um... I I kind of think that nuance isn't important. I I think I think what you achieve from a from a game system where all the rolling is player facing and where you have a single set difficulty rating for everything. I think what you achieve there is GM has to do less. GM describes more and uh, describe more, do less, put it on the board. Describe more, do less. Players get to play more and the pace of the game increases to a point where you kind of blow past the the nitty gritty of like a D&D character sheet where there's those like 20 uh, skill proficiencies that you can Mm -hmm. have different modifiers and bonuses in you kind of just blow past that and instead of instead of having more nuance on the character sheet players are just getting to roll more often try more things and um you can say you know the difficulty doesn't change the difficulty is always 12 but to like um to translate this document whatever it's still difficulty 12, but it's going to take three successes mm-hmm. to get to it. You know, something like that. And because the players are playing more of the pie, more of the pie belongs to the players, they are playing more, and you're getting through things like turns in combat faster, then they just get to keep acting. And they won't notice or care that there is less nuance to their character sheet, they'll just be stoked that they're rolling more dice mm-hmm. and saying more actions. So I think I think the key takeaway from that is not too much... Nothing uh, is lost that isn't worth losing. Or I don't know if that's how you yeah. say that. But so if you simplify... What do you have to lose, mate? <laughs> Nothing, nothing I'd lament being rid of. <laughs> um, so for more complex systems, I think I think it is viable this this theory of put it on the player. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to do a little bit as the game master to simplify. You know, you take your D and D monster stat block, and you say, I don't need this, and I don't need that, and I don't need this. I need like, what does it attack with? How hard is it to hit? Are those the same number? Maybe. Maybe they're different. But that's still only two numbers. Yeah, that's still only two. And a speed value if you're playing on a grid. Right. But if you're not playing on a grid, guess what? You get to throw that out too. Mm -hmm. If you're playing theater of the mind, just like, is this character fast or slow? Do they fly? Mm -hmm. That's it. So I I think it can work. I think so. And uh, we've had some success... And you know, we're just we're exploring this as a cool idea, mm-hmm. and 
Okay. Well, so there's some stuff that the right. game master still always is right. going to roll. So like for. what? Yes. If you're not rolling to attack the players, what is the GM rolling for? So we have a few things here. First thing is damage. If they, if I say, you know, uh, the goblin shoots an arrow at you, give me a dodge roll. I rolled a dodge. Ooh, boofed it. You boofed it. Well, you got hit by the arrow. Now you're taking damage. Um, when I uh, when I ran a Morkborg hack uh, last weekend, I actually didn't even roll for damage either. I had them do it. I think players really like rolling. You know, players like to roll the clickety clackety, you know, math rocks, and it's mm-hmm. fun. So I was like, okay, you take d6 damage, reduce that by your armor. They get to roll two dice. Okay, cool. I didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. And also, they can't get mad at me. Yeah. If right? I, like, because <laughs> you take d6 damage. They rolled it. I rolled a six. Fuck. You know, I, mm-hmm. I didn't do that. It happened to them exciting, dramatic, and then, you know, they reduce it by their armor value, and now, guess what? The enemy turn is done. It's your turn to act again. That's the other cool thing, Mm -hmm. is how quickly enemy turns go in combat in a system like this. Mm -hmm. You say, you know, this guy does this, this guy attacks you, this guy moves over here. Alright, you give me your dodge rolls. Everybody. Alright. Damage? It's your turn again. That's literally how quickly the enemy turn goes, and then the the slog of combat in D&D is not a thing anymore. It is still, still what takes the bit. most time, but it's more fun, I think. But, yes. Okay. So I think back, I, I, back to this. Damage is on the fence. Then. Yeah, you know, it I is think, a little bit. I think sometimes, uh, maybe with more complex like damage tables rather than just like you know HP pools, mm-hmm. maybe you know that would be better for the game master because then they can see it and like, okay... Now I'm going to describe yeah, it. Yeah, how do I describe it? What is appropriate in this, you know, so if you're using something more complicated. Not to say you can't describe it when, you know, the, the player says, oh, uh, okay, take D6 damage. Ooh, that's a six. And it's like, oh, this sword slice really hurts. Or, right. you know, the arrow really gets you. But if you have a system where, uh, you know, when a character drops to zero, they take some sort of major wound, whether or not they die or whether the player's... Uh, mm-hmm. The rest of the party can save them. If they get back up, they're going to be wounded. Maybe you've got some cool tables for that. That's that's something there's a role game yeah. master could roll for to figure right. out. I mean, because basically our list just consists of you know randomness, right? So like you know, oh, you have a list of encounter, you know, uh, you have an encounter table. You know, sure, still game master rolls for that. Players, I mean, could, but like you know, why? Right. That doesn't speed anything up. You know, because it's still just one roll and then you know the number and you look at there and you're like, okay, right? But like, so like for the random stuff, for the, you know, story randomness, yeah, GM's still rolling for that. I would say so. If there's, you know, like random weather events, random encounters in mm-hmm. the forest, um, Cyborg has a, Morkborg does too, but I don't, I don't know anything about it. Cyborg has a really ter- terrific, um, uh, I forget what they're called. They're called like uh, news like, events yeah, or something Yeah, like basically that, right? they're, yeah, they're like, oh, 9-11 Pearl Harbor level news events that happen in the cyberpunk city in between uh, major beats in your campaign and you roll on this cool table and then you read off these you know, news headlines of like, holy shit, this cult came out of nowhere and did this and now the city is different stuff like that Mm. players don't roll that because that's you and you're the one who has to describe then how it affects the game world what has changed after a thing like that has happened i think shit like that's really cool and that is a new place to put your dice rolling Mm. and the energy that you put into prepping and developing your campaign rather than agonizing over monster stat blocks and of course you know i i think we've talked about the random tables before it's like you don't actually have to roll but like if you as the game master are like i kind of like this because you know my players like it but like i want to roll too well you know come up with some some random stuff yeah right um you know, like I took loot off the outline, um, but I think I'm, loot I'm should put go it back, back on the outline. I'm going to put it back on, not because like, oh, you loot the bodies. Hold on, let me roll. 
players can still roll for like, well, I have really good like, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, street rat shit. So like, I check all the pockets. I check the lining of the coat, yeah. whatever. I look I, in their socks. You know, so they can still roll for how good they look. But like, okay, you know, here's a chest. You don't need to roll, well, unless it's a mimic, and then you've already, you know, put your hands. It's like, oh, do you roll a... Yeah. Wait, what's the, what's the classic meme? I roll to look in the chest. I roll perception, right? Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah. I'm thinking you roll a dexterity, and then it's like, yeah. oh, fuck. Oh, it tried to bite you. Anyways, um, so, like, you can still roll for, like, yeah, what did they find in the cache? Or, you know, whatever. Right. Um. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, there are there are still roles that the Game Master does. Um, I think the point of this whole episode was there's a lot of times that the Game Master doesn't have to. Yeah. And when they do, it just adds time and, you know, a bunch of crunch and bullshit. Right. So... We, we think there is significant... Well, actually, let's push this down to the bottom. Okay. And let's go into this closing discussion because we have some anecdotal evidence of, like, you know, how we came to this. Okay. Um, Well, I don't know how anecdotal it is. But just so I've... Well, it's anecdotal as in we have an anecdote. Well, I don't have a very specific one. Mm -hmm. But just, like, my, my recent, like, top sessions, I'm like, man, that was a good session. It's like I wasn't as the game master. I wasn't rolling it at all. I was just like, you know, I described what happened. I was like, okay, roll to roll to avoid, um, you know, roll player roll, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm not gonna fuck with like, you know, all these like you know, bullshit attacks or like, I guess I think I've already said this one on the podcast before because it's an old one. It's from Torg. Mm. Right, because I was there were some NPCs going along with the characters, and it was just like such a mind that like mind blowing meme, where it's like the NPCs that I am playing don't fucking roll for them. Just say what's cool. Right. You just say what happens mm. up until up until a certain point where it like butts up against what a player would do or a player would try to avoid that happening, like. You don't need to. You don't need to play it. You don't need mm-hmm. to roll it. You just describe it. Right? Because, like, you know, sometimes, like, oh, uh, you know, this monster attacks and I roll for it. And it's like, you know, it's not the right time for them to miss or succeed. So, you know what? I'm just, they can't, the players can't see what dice I rolled. So, here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's just what's better for the story. So, why am I rolling in the first place then? Right. So we're talking about taking away that that little bit of dishonesty or that like need to ever fudge a roll, basically, by just like as a game master, don't anymore, and only ask for rolls when it's something that directly involves a player. Mm-hmm. And yeah, don't roll yourself for things that a player could roll for um and you know the question is like does complexity and nuance still exist in that and i think you know we talk through that it, it can I, I think it absolutely can um and does it just uh you know you lose a little bit of complexity on the page but you gain it in gameplay mm-hmm. because you're able to do a lot more a lot quicker it also um, when I when I ran Cyborg and more recently when I was running Dangerous Spaceman, th- what I was really finding is like this is my style of game mastering. My style of game mastering is to like have notes about people and events, and to just describe and then ask for input back from my players because that's what I want. I want mm. you know actively engaged players. Um, and then I want as little crunch, I want as little math and looking up as possible in between action. Yeah, and in between me res- and like resolution. Describing the resolution of the thing and getting on to, you know, what happens. I I don't like 
nuanced tactical gameplay. I like uh, hmm. action. I like action. I like conflict and drama. And I like it when there isn't a bunch of math in the way of it, I guess. Does that make sense? I think it does. Because one of my one of my banes of a game master is trying to come up with like balanced monsters mm. right because like oh i have all these stats and like you know how do i allocate you know oh, this one's fast but weak and like you know all this all this junk that like i stress about it and then when it comes out in gameplay it's like nobody Nobody caught anything. Right. It happened any so quickly the, the and so that behind I did. the screen that, right. like, yeah. The, Nobody's the, like, oh man, these guys are really fast. So, like, what we should do is this. Nobody does that. They're just like, hit them till they're dead. Yeah. Move quickly. All right. They move quickly. All right. We know that. Where I, I guess we close with them. Right. And, like, definitely as my game mastering has evolved, I've less and less stat blocks for monsters. You know, now it's down to just like, here's their attack, here's their damage, and then like, you know, I just describe, it's like, okay, yeah, they they move up and attack you, mm-hmm. and nobody's paying attention to be like, oh, well, how fast are they? Right. Right? Because it's either like, oh, well, shit, well, like, I move back and yeah. attack, or I go in. Right. You're like, oh, it rushed up to me. I want to be further away from it. Mm-hmm. They're going to move for that. Like, they're not counting how many tiles it moved. They are aware of how many tiles they can move. Yeah. But, like, not only do they not care, they don't need to know or care Mm. what the monster's speed value is. The monster's speed value is whatever you need it to be as a dungeon master to facilitate a dramatic encounter. Hell yeah. I think that is... uh, So... Yeah, I prefaced this at the beginning that this was going to be a little rambly and discussion-y. But I think we can start to wrap this up. This is the direction we're kind of leaning right now in terms of what is fun for us and what like good game design looks like. Mm. Because it facilitates, um, one, players getting to roll more, play more. More of the playtime pie goes to the players than to the game master. Some of it is still yours, and you should still have as much fun with it as you can. But none of your pie slice is going to get bigger because of, like, extra math or looking stuff up. And what you get to focus on is narrating and describing Mm -hmm. dramatic conflict. And the player's will hopefully, if it's well executed, they will feel more agency because they're going to be rolling more often and getting more turns more quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think we, you know, talked about it enough that you can do this with complex systems. Mm -hmm. You don't have to change systems and go to, you know, something that's built for, you know, the, the GM putting it on the players. Right. You can do it with your D and D stat blocks. Yeah. It just it takes a little bit of tweak, a little, you know, little hack, little hack, little out, right. boom, you got it. But if you know this is something like you if that's do. what you want, and again, or not again, I guess for the first time this episode, but I'll say it again here before we before we wrap. This is what is working for us. We like it. If you don't, that's perfectly fine. If whatever you're doing differently is working for your table, or you like you know, really crunchy tactical combat and you like taking the time to make sure that, you know, every rule gets its, you know, its time in the sun and every minor thing that a monster is able to do is properly flushed out. Fucking great. Keep playing that way because that's the point is just to have fun. But this is what is starting to look like more fun and more attractive game design to us right now. Well said. Um, recapping these signposts is a little messy. I think we just did that. Yeah. I think we recapped it nice. Put it up. Board, board says it's recapped. Yeah. So, 
That's going to do it for this episode of Two-Headed Game Master. If you like what you heard and you like the vibe, head on over to 2HGM.com where we have a number of things, starting with... Afterlife. Y'all. Pow, 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 pow. Post-apocalyptic fantasy role-playing. Get it while it's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have some other stuff. You can contact us on 2HGM. We have some free downloady, fun RPG stuff. Some of it's old and out of date, but it's, uh, you know, it's all in this vibe. We also have a link to our Patreon. If you want to join us there, we'd love it. You get to hang out with us more. You get to participate in cool stuff like our Halloween specials and listen in to the live play stuff that we do as it's happening. And uh, what else is going on? Anything else on the website? Well, I mean, no more than what you said. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of stuff there. There's, you know, some rule systems. There's some dungeon creator stuff. You know, there's there's some fun stuff. You know, go check it out. Mm-hmm. And then tell us it sucks and we'll change it. Yeah, we're trying to get better. We're learning. That's the whole point of this, make it more fun. Do a better job. Enjoy the hobby more. Uh, thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of the song Pond Hill's Finest as the intro and outro to our show. Uh, next week, there'll be another bonus episode of Dangerous Spacemen. And the week after that, we'll be back with another regular episode of Two-Edged Game Master. So we'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time.